Welcome to the Optimalist Podcast. I'm Sarah, your host through this adventure about mindfulness, attention, focus, happiness, and motivation at a time when all of these things seem elusive and desired all at once. So how do we cultivate them? Today, I have a voice with me on the show that many of our current listeners will recognize. She is a self-professed, redesigned educator who's been in the elementary classroom over 20 years and is a professional learning specialist with Forward Edge and EdgeU. Her distinct passion is to infuse joy in educational leadership by focusing efforts on serving and using her voice to foster hope by celebrating diversity. She's also a published author and illustrator of several children's books with themes around SEL, and she is the, are you ready for this? Chief Optimistic Originator of Imparted Joy LLC in Clearwater, Florida, and guides others to spark their stories with heart and confidence. She's also a beloved member of this community, and it was a pleasure to welcome Jillian Dubois to The Optimalist. Listen in as Jillian and I talk about self-regulation and self-awareness as a parent, and how her individual story with her son has led her down the path of appreciating emotions and moments as they come. The ultimate chance to be present in your attention. All this in my conversation with Jillian. So welcome, Jillian. It's so great to have you here. Sarah, it has been such a long time I know. since we have actually gotten to have a conversation. I know. But this is awesome. And if it's if it's recorded for all to hear, then so be it. That's <laughs> <I know. laughs> totally you fine. Know with the two of us. <laughs> I know. This might wind up being a very long episode, but we'll try not to make it long that long. But it's very exciting to have Jillian here as uh, she's such a special part of the optimalist community. And it's been so wonderful to get to know her over the last, I don't even know, um, when we first connected, if it's been a year. Um, I don't know. I'd have to look back and see. Yeah, it's it. probably been about a year, right? Um, because you were so. in our you were in our book club j- journeys yes. last year, and those started around May. So it has to be almost a year. Yeah. So Jillian, I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of, before we jump into our topic today, which is self-regulation, uh, I wanted to give you a little bit of time to kind of introduce everybody to your perspective of what are you doing now? Um, and it could be that could be career wise and personal wise, like however you want to like package that all together. But what also has influenced your path? Like what has inspired your path to what you are and who you are today? Wow. Well, it's I mean, it's a personal journey, of course, and everybody's got their own paths that they take. But I think for me, um, as a mom and as an educator and as seeing all of the things and the challenges and hurdles that my son has gone through has brought me to where I am today. Um, he's the one who kind of, and he's the reason why I became an educator in the first place. So with his struggles in school and he's on the autism spectrum, has ADHD, is dyslexic. And um, while he is just an amazing, amazing kid, um, he needed a lot of support and fell through the cracks. So I jumped in and took over like moms do and decided, you know what, Um, 
I'm going to help you as much as I can. So I became a teacher. That was kind of my, my goal. My goal was to become a teacher to help kind of navigate him through the system. And in doing that, I found that that was my passion oh. and that serving and loving on students and being there for them to guide them, you know, not just my son, but everybody else too. So that was my journey. And I ended up actually working in a classroom for about 10 years. And then I came home to homeschool him, um, Austin, because he really kind of needed my help in high school. So for five years, I homeschooled um, him through high school and I learned wow. so much by doing that with him because it was not, you know, not having a teacher background, I didn't know that, hey, there's so much more than just sit in your seat, open your book, mm -hmm. you know, do your work, turn it in. Okay, the bell's rung, let's go. You know, it's, but when I was home with him for those years, it was, hey, if you want to like lay in bed with your headphones and read your science book, that's fine with me. If you want to go outside and lay on a raft in the pool mm -hmm. and, you know, work on your math, that's great. Mm -hmm. Well, I, all of a sudden I learned how to evolve and how to transform and how to be that person that understood that, okay, learning needs and different learning styles are out there and we need to embrace them. So as an educator, I definitely had this adventure. And when I went back into the classroom after I had been with him for five years, I was like a totally new person. So I was able to, you know, just again, just differentiate my instruction with different tech tools and strategies and skills and understanding those relationships and building those relationships with my students and with my colleagues. And it was the best time um, as a teacher. And I think it was just time when I realized that it was time to leave the classroom. It wasn't that I was burned out or tired or exhausted or frustrated with the system. I just knew there was more out there for me to explore. So that's where I am today, actually, um, working kind of remotely <laughs> in Florida for a company in Cincinnati, Ohio. And we provide professional development for educators. And I am just loving every minute of it. It's all tech-based. Um, so there's lots of tech tools and um, the teachers and educators have to provide submissions to us that they've implemented them in the classroom after they've learned them. And I get to review them and give them feedback and coach them. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful progression to watch somebody who didn't even know how to take a screenshot <laughs> to be you know, use flip in the classroom and yeah. things like that, that you take for granted, mm -hmm. you know, so now I'm going back to school, Sarah. Really? I did not know so that. I did to get my master's, um, never too old, mm -hmm. never stop. Learning. Not at so, all. So, um, start May 8th. I start with the master's of science and in instructional design. Wow. That's so exciting. That's, that's great. What a so, great next step on your journey. Eh? Yeah, I, and I never, I'm one of those people who you, I have an idea and I don't let it, I don't <laughs> let it. Start. And I, I think, think I know that. Way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I think, I think we've bonded over I, a few ideas that we couldn't let go. <laughs> I think you late. Because I, I think I applied, like, I don't know, I didn't, had done my research, but I applied to four or five different programs, 
you know, was accepted. And then I had to kind of weed through them. And my husband, all of a sudden, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to, you know, St. Leo University. And my husband's like, wait a second, wait a second. This was just a thought in your head last week. And now you've accepted yeah. an offer. I'm like, yep. <laughs> so, he's like, well, I'm like, I know, I know. So yeah, I don't let it sit long. So, and it's, it's not that I, I'm going to overwhelm myself, but it's just, it's exciting to try new mm -hmm. things and to do so it's like you're doing right now. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask you before we get a little, before we get too far down this path of, um, of what we're going to talk about today and applying it to all of these things that you've already mentioned, um, just two questions quickly about the one about the transition, what the transition maybe was like going from maybe for both you and your son going from like in school to homeschool and then what that transition, what it was like, you said you were a totally different person when you left then homeschool going back to teaching or being back to in-school environment. So like kind of what were what was that transition like? And, and um, you know, you don't have to go into a crazy amount of detail, but then also what was how would you define um, the fact that you were a different person afterwards? Yeah. So, you know, making that transition into the classroom, I mean, I was I worked in ophthalmology. Wow. I was an ophthalmic technician. So I knew nothing about school and, you know, other than what I knew when I had been to school. So, and, you know, back then you, that's what it was. It was very authoritarian and you sat in your seat and you did your work and you turned it in. And that's just what I thought, you know, you had to be and had to do. And it was miserable. Um, I hated it. Um, and I stuck it out for 10 years, but I, at the same time, I am like, no, I made the commitment to be here for my sons. So I've mm -hmm. got to do this. So I didn't even have that fire within me. I didn't understand. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have ex experiential knowledge <laughs> going into it. So I just thought that's what you needed to do. Um, so when we made that decision as a family to, for me to stay home, I'll never forget because my son, he just had struggled and struggled and he kind of always caught up near the end of the year and it was, but it was always such an effort. I mean, it was hours and hours of homework and just, you know, yelling and, <laughs> and, and frustration and resentment. Um, so when we were home or when we decided to come home, I remember we sat down and kind of as a family made that decision and he said to him, I'm like, Austin, are, are you, you think you're okay with this? And he just like, all of a sudden started crying, like just broke down, completely broke down. And I looked at him and I looked at my husband. I'm like, oh no, what did we do? Mm -hmm. And he kind of composed himself and he looked up at us and he said, I'm so thankful. He goes, thank you so much for doing yeah. this for me. Wow. Um, he goes, I just, I, I never, he goes, this is the best thing that could possibly happen. Mm. And, you know, he'd never expressed it before. You know, teenage boys, they right, don't, right. you know, they just talk about their friends and their social life. They don't talk about, you know, what's going on on the inside in school. So that just affirmed every decision that we had made for him. So, and I think through that, when I said I became a different person, I just looked at school through his mm -hmm. eyes. That makes so sense. So it was very, yeah, for us, it was very untraditional. I mean, we didn't spend six hours a day doing school. We may have, we went to, you know, we may have traveled to, you know, 45 minutes away to Fort DeSoto, which is one of the earliest 
American forts here in Florida. And we did a little history tour. You know, that was, everything was so experiential and so hands-on mm. for us because that was his learning style. Right. So digging into that and just kind of like, I don't know, developing that and honing that that style and that, that you know, everybody needs something so different. And as educators, it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. And it was easy for me because I had one. <laughs> You well, know. we won't say easy, but manageable, maybe, I would say. No, not easy. And I dare tease that you know, he's much better at math than I am. And I remember when I had to be like, you know, we had to do algebra. And I'm like, Austin, I don't know how to do algebra. So you do the best you can working through it. But I'll be here if you need anything. Right, of course. So I'll get something. I'll Google something. And I thought, no, you know what? I'm going to dig in there and I'm going to do it with him. Yeah. And I did. I cheated through math in high school, so I did not pass algebra mm. on my own. I definitely, <laughs> yeah, um, was able to go back and learn with him. So in learning with him, you know, actually even made it more special. Oh, so sure. our family unit um, in my heart grew because I knew, okay, if I can help one person, I could probably help more, you know, and try and figure out how to do this. So our topic today, um, it I'm not sure if it's clear to anybody yet, but our topic today is self-regulation. And I'm I'm um mashing that together with things like self-awareness as well, because I think that we always talk about them as going hand in hand. But you talk about this a lot, not just to me, um, in but also in general, like in the way you talk on Twitter and, and the things that you reflect, like you're really open. You're always really open about not necessarily saying, here's all the stuff I'm going through right now, not in that way, but open in that, um, in saying like, hey, everyone, today I had a moment where I felt like this, but it's okay because I was able to do X, Y, and Z, and now I feel like this, like different. Like you you post little like hints or um, peaks into your reflective self, which I think not only give people a little insight into the way somebody is just handling life like every day and and doing well with that. But at the same time, it kind of brings people together around a shared a shared feeling that we all need to reflect a little bit more about how we do handle and regulate our emotions and get through um, just a day or a whole week or whatever that might be. But the reason I bring that up in in um, introducing this topic is because I always associate you with this like just beautiful calm energy and the fact that so much so I don't want to say so much but you also like immediately will be like oh my gosh like I can't believe how scattered I feel and you're so open about that because I don't see you like that and to me it's always like you're giving me a you're so aware of like what like you have a self-awareness that is so keen that it it like when you talk about it, it bring it like reveals like this side of you that I don't think people see. Um, yeah. But I think that that's important for everybody because we're all on this same journey, whether or not we accept it or not, you're on it. <laughs> and um, we I think it's important for people to see that every single person, no matter how you perceive them in like uh, out on the outside or in public or on the Internet, Everybody is working through the way that they, you know, deal with the everyday. And so I think that that's kind of a cool, like when you, because I I had a feeling you were going to pick this topic, self-regulation. And I'm like, I'm like, it's so great because I don't know that people 
really think of, oh my gosh, Jillian's like always needing to needing to figure out her brain or whatever. <laughs> but we're all figuring out her brain and our brain. And so I wanted to kind of maybe we can just introduce people if you're not in really um I know everybody's a little bit familiar with self-regulation and we have some interpretations of it that we that kind of go around, but we think of self-regulation in terms of how you are able to I guess, manage your nervous system and the connection between your brain and body and regulate that and accept. I also include the idea of like recognizing and accepting emotions as they come and pass and um, even like writing them down or something like that. But but you don't have to not have emotions, but but knowing that they aren't factual um, and that you have the ability to work through them. And that balance, complete balance, is not actually humanly possible. I don't know that that's something that's attainable, but you can you can kind of balance out by by understanding that emotions don't have to take over everything. Um, and so, I, yeah, so like maybe we can just um, talk about, now I'm thinking about the experience you just explained to us and um, how so much of that experience with your son probably could have used a lot of self-regulation, especially at first. But not that you have to go back and talk about that again. But maybe maybe you can give us some insight into like your um, like why this is something that does come up for you immediately. As soon as I'm like, hey, I want to invite you on the new podcast. Here's a list of 400 topics. And this is the one that you go to. So <laughs> let's connect us yeah. to to your experience with self-regulation, why why you feel it's necessary, and um, what you know what you want to what you kind of want to divulge to us about this path. Wow, you know, and that's a beautiful, beautiful description that you gave because I think, and I I actually just pulled one word, a bunch of words out of there, but that one word that stood out to me was manage, mm. and I think that's what we just have to learn how to do. And I don't think we're really ever taught how to manage yeah. ourselves. Um, it is like an experiential thing. You do have to kind of wade through so much of the ish <laughs> so to get to the place where you can break through those fears and those expectations that maybe other people have put on you or that you've put on yourself. Um, for me, it was more like I put them on myself than anybody else I'm did. Sure, yeah. And, you know, and, but breaking through that and breaking down those things to really embrace, I want to say your own, it's going to sound cryptic, but your own power, you know, mm -hmm. your, what is within you. And for so long, I, you know, growing up, I just believed that I, that didn't really matter. And that wasn't really a thing. And that I didn't need to do that and have to self-manage. You know, my parents always told me, here's what you need to do. Here's, you know, you should obey this, do that, stay away from this. And, you know, that's kind of like the extent of it. It's not until we get older, <laughs> more seasoned in our life before we go, what the heck was that? What was the past 20 years really all about? Like, okay, well, let's try and like figure this out now. And I'm a very... And I thank you for saying that I am a very calm-natured, and I think I am calm-natured to an extent, but at the same time, I am, I definitely react more than I respond, and uh, something that I've always worked on, and I have so many stories of amygdala hijacks mm. that go into, um, and it's, 
and I used to break down. I mean, I used to be like, why is this happening? What I've got to fix it. I've got to fix it now. Right. Because I put those expectations on myself and then I'm a fixer on top of that. And I'm a reactionary on top Mm -hmm. of that. So I, and just anything that is conflicting does not sit well with me. So I thought, how can I turn that into a positive, right? How can I not be overwhelmed by the things that are happening in circumstances and situations, but how can I really kind of go back into it, break down Mm -hmm. those expectations, down those fears, and again, embrace that power that I know is there and try and, you know, give myself some grace and figure it out. So kind of was until honestly about five years ago Mm -hmm. that I just, started this kind of work and I'm like you know this really isn't that hard (laughs) it seems I don't have the science the scientific background I don't have a PhD I don't understand psychology I don't you know I don't know a whole lot about all of that but I know how I can start to self-regulate myself Um, and I'll give you an example so last week and my son is older now. He's 25 and he's got a full-time job. He works for the city here. And he called me and we were, I was sitting here at my desk and he called me and he's like, mom, I need to talk to you. And he just mine and immediately I reacted. Like yeah. I didn't see anything, but immediately, and I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but it's something in your brain that just flows through your whole body. It's almost like everything just went you don't numb. don't know it's happening. It just, no. it just, yeah, it just starts. It's like a tingling that starts in your head and goes all the way to your uh-huh. toes. And you're just like, there is something that just hijacked my body. <laughs> and I'm in this out-of-body experience listening to my child cry and I'm trying not to, like, like I just wanted to pass out. Yeah. And I knew it was, like, definitely one of those just times where I, you know, what's coming, what's next? I was reacting. And he said, you know, and long story short is he, you know, was given a verbal reprimand at work for, you know, not doing some tasks that he was asked to do. And um, I wanted to fix it. Right. right? And that's probably why I jumped to such a conclusion is he was crying. He's breaking down. He's like, I need to tell you something. And I'm thinking the worst. But at the same time, I wanted immediately wanted to fix it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. (sighs) Breathe. Slow down. And we had, you know, a really good conversation. Um, but it wasn't until I could kind of tell myself, all right. And I asked Austin, I said, okay, just give me five minutes. I'm going to call you right back. And I put on my shoes. I put on my headphones. I took my phone and I walked my dog. I'm like, okay, I got to get out in the fresh air, feel the sun on my face before I pass out. (laughs) And I just started walking and breathing and I realized, okay, this is not life or death. Yes, there's something that needs to be worked on. Yes, it needs to be fixed. What can we do? So I call him back and we work through it and, you know, we make a plan. And his boss is so incredibly kind. He got on the phone with me and said, hey, how can we work together? This takes a village. I want to be in your village. And goodness gracious, I'm thankful for people like that, that understand, you know, neurodiverse human beings and you know, are willing to, we're all neurodiverse, to be mm-hmm. honest, but to be willing to, you know, I don't know, work together. And that's what we're trying to do. We're all just trying to work together. Um, but just to have that come out of that, that moment where I thought, 
I got to fix everything. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm going to pass out. Like, what's he going to tell me? And to come out of that within 15, 20, 30 minutes, like was huge for me. Yeah. And think about how you're telling, um, I mean, that phone call is not a long phone call. 15, 20, 30 minutes of reactionary time, as much as it feels intent, is like a blip in the radar of even the day. And it's yeah. and and like I was saying before, like the feeling, the feeling isn't the definition of the entire experience, but it's what you you've remembered that because it actually was physically felt like in your yeah. body. But but what like how you deal with that afterwards or how you're able to completely turn it around or find or like you're talking about connecting, connecting with with those who are able to. I guess understand and help help you with with an experience um like I don't know that it might be that you yeah. remember because the bodily feeling or the physical feeling but it's the other part that really changes you yeah yeah it was almost like because it was just a little blip of trauma mm-hmm. like I still remember it and I still remember that feeling it's so wild how your brain stores all of this yeah and I think you also and you you could probably um think of a a bunch of other moments like that at different points in time but another reason I think why you particularly some people respond to the memory of them more than others because you're aware that you you kind of want to do something about that right and that's where the talking about your that's the awareness of it and talking about wanting to get into more self-regulatory practice like you know, I'm thinking about what you said to me uh, earlier last week when you were picking this topic, the idea of recentering, refocusing, breathing, and you wrote breathing in all capital letters, like, because we're always talking about the breath and like, let's take a break. And before we move on to the next thing, give your brain space to like, um, you know, do what it needs to do and then let it calm down and get back to the, it's all about being in the present moment, right? Because when you react to something any of those moments in the day or in life, your brain jumps to all of the stuff that's not the present moment. Um, yeah. And then it re- and then your whole body reacts to that. And then like you, if you're the only one who really can do that, can bring it back. And that's like, I'm getting into other, now I'm getting all like hyped up here and I'm going on a tangent. But <laughs> because I talk to people all the time about how, um, you know, when we apply stuff like this to a classroom setting, uh, for adult with adults and students, um, you know, it's we all dealing with the same kinds of things. But when you apply it to a setting like that, where you have so many people in one place, kind of relying on each other, um, and that that's the dynamic setup where you have like the adult is in a technically quote unquote in in power, and then you know there they think that you know we think that their job is to help students do x y and z but when it comes to regulating and becoming aware of one's own feelings and emotions all we can really do is guide and and kind of show and and introduce what things look like because at the end of everything like no one can really help you regulate that moment um like you know it does have to it has to be you that makes the decision that i don't want this feeling or um this emotion to rule everything every day yeah. Like I, I, I have too much to do. Like everything is too exciting and important and life is too awesome to make, to make, um, really to step aside and let emotion rule everything. 
It is. And it does, it comes back to that, that manage, you know, just managing and it's, I, I, there's no magic to it. It's, but it feels like magic when it happens. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Right. And I even always say, you know, I find that I miss out on the small wins because I'm always trying to figure out what are the big wins? What are the goals that are going to bring bring the big result? And I think, okay, that was as, as cruddy as that was when that happened to me that day, that was a win, Mm -hmm. right? That was, a big huge goal that I constructed for myself wasn't there I did not have any massive action plan to accomplish Mm -hmm. but it was to be able to okay this is a win because I was able to stop and pause and refocus and recenter and remanage how I was going to treat this right so if we I'm just kind of talking out loud to our listeners for a minute if if you were to kind of I don't, I don't want to say like, I don't want to put the pressure on you. Like Jillian's the one to come to advice on all all this because so many of the people, so many of the people that you're going to see stop by this podcast are going to have many different stories from different perspectives, but all kind of coming together under this umbrella of how do we embrace a way more mindful um, present life than, than we know that we are now. And so and and so when we talk to someone like Jillian, and she's bringing in personal experience, like and and people who are listening who know her know that what I was referencing at the beginning of, of um, of Jillian being so open about when she's experiencing moments that she that might feel like a setback and how she deals with them, like that's one of the things that I think endears people to you. And so like everybody, everybody kind of is aware that you do things like this and that you're aware of of yourself. And so. How would you would you kind of give anybody um, quote unquote advice for for entering into the day with that mindset of like, hey, something might not feel good, but but here's what you can do. I would say, you know, and I've said this before to my son, but I'm like, go, you know, start each day thinking, hey, I'm going to find that five dollar bill in the back pocket of my jeans today, Mm -hmm. you know. I didn't know was there. That's that sudden jolt mm-hmm. <laughs> of happiness and joy that, you know, you don't think is there, but it it's there. You stick your hand in your back pocket and like, oh my gosh, what's in a five dollars five dollars in my back pocket? That's amazing. You know, it's so like just approach each day. Like there's something that you're going to find. There's something yeah. good. Look for that good in the daily grind. I mean, so many of us just wake up and go, Oh, great. It's Monday. You know? But yeah, who I wants know, to live I, like that? You don't like. I know. Yeah. I know. I think for self care and to nurture yourself, it's like you just kind of have to. It's a choice, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you have to intentionally make a choice to laugh at yourself, uh, share an accomplishment that maybe with a colleague or a friend or your family, and just uncovering those little hidden gems of wins that make that positive impact on on your mental health. Um, and I always tell people like, I don't know, I think I've written this maybe in a, in a blog post. It just comes back to mind. But I always say, tell somebody about your wins, mm-hmm. right? And not to brag, not to be boast, boastful or like strut yourself. <laughs> but 
you know, just like that stream of accountability for yourself. It could be just texting somebody that says, hey, you know what? I sang all the lyrics to this song. I sang it way off. <laughs> I sang it off key, but I remember all the yeah. lyrics to this song. Believe that. You know, I mean, that's just small. Mm-hmm. But I mean, is that not optimist? An optimist? Yeah, <laughs> well, it is because, you know, if you think about building up to a mindset where you increasingly are able to respond well um, or and and treat yourself better instead of reacting harshly, you know, the less, you know, the, the less you can um, either jump to conclusions or feel your body go into that reaction. I think that, you know, it all of that is going to add up. And I think what you're mentioning is almost akin to like a really strong gratitude type of practice where mm-hmm. we know yeah. that it's like nearly science at this point that regular like personal gratitude practice really does build up to this idea that we can regulate the way we feel and that it is a choice um, regulate the way we react and it, it's weird like because when you do just talk about it um, outside of the practice of it to people and I hear myself talking about it, it doesn't doesn't feel like the two things connect realistically oh, but good. when you do it um, and feel that it does um, so you just have to trust us, everybody. We're saying, we're telling you the things that you <laughs> that you need to just try if you haven't already. No, and you know, it keeps that momentum moving yes, forward. Yes, exactly. It, it's like okay, so if you don't feel like telling somebody, right? Then then write it down. Mm-hmm. Don't just don't keep it in your head. I think the more we are expressive, whether it's you know in a journal or you know, well, just build your confidence, right? Yes, and build that pause just to. I don't know, just to whatever revel and whatever just brought the wind. Mm-hmm. Love it. I'm cu- I'm gonna wind towards the end of this conversation if that's okay with you. And wow. I want to do something that um, I've kind of been explaining as this way to connect people to you as as a guest and get to know you a, a little bit better in different facets of. Um, I guess who you are and the way your mind works and what I love by asking a few informal questions at the end of the show is that I think we can often get some insights into uh, I guess what connects you to some of the stuff you've talked about through the course of the episode itself. So no matter what it was that the topic was, um, Mm. you know, we're talking about self-regulation we we can kind of see little pieces of Jillian that fit into the way you have been telling you know your story if that if that makes sense at all. Um, That's cool. it. Sometimes doesn't make sense when I explain it beforehand, but at the end, it's like yeah, okay, that kind of fits into the piece. Or maybe it's total surprise, and you are not and you are not the Jillian that we thought you were. <laughs> and this this episode will reveal all. <laughs> Um, so with that, um, and you can answer as many of, or as little of these as you want to, but can you tell us something you are reading, watching, or listening to lately? Ooh, okay. Reading, um, you know, I love to read and I don't often make the time to read, but my favorite book that I'm right in the middle of right now is Prince Harry's Spare. Really? Cool. Oh my gosh. Yes. I've walked past it in many an airport going to all these conferences recently. And I'm like, should I just grab it for the plane? <laughs> well, you should. It's such an easy read, but to hear how and 
to hear his voice through the words, I also have it on Audible, uh, so I kind of go back and forth, but to hear his voice and to hear, you know, and he's one great example of, you know, an optimist, to be honest, because <laughs> losing sight, he doesn't lose sight of, of the wins hmm. or his visions, um, you know, and he overcame some of the most difficult circumstances that we could ever imagine. Um, so I just, I'm just intrigued and, you know, the whole, his whole story, their whole story, you know, I know people take their sides, but I just, just love listening to other people's stories. Okay. So that was reading, um, watching, was that yep. the other thing? Mm -hmm. Watching, I watch, I am a horrible, horrible, hugely horrible reality TV junkie. Mm. And I watch anything that has to do with people involved in drama <laughs> see this it's i wouldn't possible. have guessed <laughs> definitely whether it's real housewives or below deck or vanderpump wow. rules i just love like and my husband and i both do this because we're so like people oriented we love to figure out the why behind oh, I love why that. would she yeah why would he what in the world are they thinking you know it's like so we sit down it's together like social like, psychology like that studies is. in like sociology it really is it really because when we were dating we used to go to the mall when there was <laughs> malls and we would sit at the food court at the mall and we would watch people and we would make up stories about oh people i that love we were that somewhat um there's a there's a podcast uh producer like a pretty well-known podcast producer who just started his own show called um forgetting exactly but oh it's called mall walking and he literally goes to different malls all over Los Angeles with a friend and they walk through the ball and they ask people questions. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, awesome. Fun. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. So maybe that's oh, going to be what you're listening to pretty soon, which is the next question. Oh. What are you listening to? Yes. So I actually am listening to a book, um, an audio book. I also have the hard copy too, but we're doing a book study in our, um, in our group, our work, our female work Ooh. group. And it's called, It's Not a Glass Ceiling, It's a Sticky Floor mm. by Rebecca Shambaugh. And it's just talking about really how, as women, how to kind of free yourselves from the behaviors that kind of keep you stuck um, in your career or, you know, sabotaging your own success. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. I've not I don't do too many self-help women power, power to the people kind of books, right. but um, this is a really good one. There's a lot of insight. You know, and it's different. I used to never be someone, I'm still not really a self-help person, but I've I've had to dive into a lot of things that are close to that in all of the reading about attention and focus that I've done over the last year and a half or so, because a lot of those kind of cross over into what people would think of self-help. But it's a very different experience when you do read them with a group, isn't it? Because okay. um, because you bring you wind up bringing in your personal, uh, you know, story to it. And I think we've found our theme that runs through the connective tissue that runs through Jillian, which is, you know, that social aspect and that storytelling and um understanding what it is that makes people people uh i think runs through everything that we've talked about today and i'm i'm guessing but that's that's my that's guess really good. no i wouldn't even have thought that i feel like i'm having a therapy session this is like and that's that's, that's what we're going for here on the optimalist podcast <laughs> um 
So I'm just kidding. But if that's what we get out of it, that's what we get. But so that brings me to my very last question, which is what is a method for focusing or improving your attention that you find actually works for you? All right, I'm going to go back to just seeing the victories. Um, Those victories are there. Those small wins are there. Um, If we lose sight of the wins, um, our goals, I think it could prevent the results from happening the way that we're meant to see them. Mm -hmm. So just being more open to, you know, not being so stuck, not being so focused on the obstacles, but looking more at the wins and the victories. That also can um, uh, sort of go hand in hand with not being preoccupied by the perfection of an end goal as well, right? And looking at what it is that you're doing along the way um, and the challenges as something that are super positive, right? Even if they are, even things that do become obstacles, like tackling them, I find the way to think about that is like tackling them is a privilege, like to be able to have challenges that create, create opportunities for strength and growth and relationships and connections. Like everything good comes from facing that stuff um, is what I think. And um, that's been therapy with Jillian and Sarah. (laughs) We'll play our part music then. We are not licensed to help you in any way. I'm just going to put that out there. But if we do, please let us know. Um, so Jillian, it's been awesome to have you here today. And before we let you go, I did want to give you a quick opportunity to give people um, some information about where they can follow you and if you want them to follow you. And if you want to tell them anything else that you're working on personally I know you have projects that you are doing and um, like links that people can follow and all of the stuff that Jillian tells us um, on the show will be in the show notes that everybody can click on easily and find no perfect Um, well I do have a website it's impartedjoy.com you can also go to jilliandubois.com and you'll goes to the same place um, on Twitter at Jill Dubois 22 and yeah that's usually where I am just hanging most of just hanging <laughs> so cool um but no I um yeah I love talking I love communicating you know shoot me an email as um you know connect somehow on the website but yeah just I'm always about you know helping people share their stories and tell their stories I think we all have messages to share And I know that's just kind of been one of my big passions is just, you know, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it to, you know, be, I don't know. What is it? You don't want to like draw attention to yourself. You want to draw attention to other people Mm -hmm. or you want other people to understand that, you know, yes, yes, you can. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to help you. I'm not going to do it for you, but I'm going to help. Yeah. I mean, that brings us full circle back to talking about self-regulation and self-awareness and how it really we can support each other because we all need to do it um but it's ultimately up to the individual right um that's right and jillian and i would like everyone to to just breathe after this episode <laughs> thanks so much for being here jillian well that's all for episode two thanks so much for joining us 
I love how easy it is to get into conversation with Jillian, her story, and the way she talks about regulating the nervous system in a way that is recognizable to every person is so special. She reminds us that our emotions are human and it's totally okay to freeze up in conflict as long as we can understand how to get ourselves out of it. Thank you, Jillian, for lending us your story. But I'd love to know what you all think. Your feedback is always needed, always welcomed. So how do you do that? You can leave a comment on Substack, a review in Apple Podcasts, and you can reach me on Twitter at scandela9. You can listen and subscribe to The Optimalist Podcast wherever you love listening to great podcasts. New episodes are released every Wednesday, and links to all of these resources are available in the show notes. The Optimalist Podcast is brought to you by Focusable, the only app that gives you the pulse you need for better attention. And it's free. Create an account today at getfocusable.com or by downloading Focusable on any iOS or Android device. You can also follow us at Get Focusable on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening to The Optimalist, and I'll see you next week. Stay focused. <laughs>